The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now, folks? Folks, Montreal Canadiens, uh, they are on a five-game winning streak. I got to level with you. I didn't think that was possible. This is the first time they've been on a five-game winning streak since the 2016-2017 season. Even when they were good, they weren't able to string together this many wins. Um, They defeat... The Ottawa Senators by a score of 2-1 to one to get that five-game winning streak. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and damn, again, I, I had no idea this was even possible. It was another good start to the game for them. You know, the first period, right from the puck drop, they, they looked to me like the better team. Uh, they were getting the better chances. Uh, I think they were out shooting for pretty much the entire period. Um, really, it was a, quite a solid start for them, but they just couldn't get a whole lot going offensively. Uh, but eventually, they break through. Pretty late in the period, uh, Ben Sherratt gets a point shot. Arturi Lekkanen cleans it up in front, gets a little bit of a greasy one, makes it one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens, and that is how the period would end. I should note, that was one of the faster periods of NHL hockey that you'd ever see. I, I feel like it m- might have been one of the faster ones they've played this year. There wasn't a lot of whistles. Uh, pretty fast pace. Um, but again, I thought that the Habs were the better of the two teams for sure. Um, we go into the second period, and of course, it is the Montreal Canadiens. So it's like, all right, uh, you know, not too surprising to hear that they're going to give up a goal. And they do. Uh, Connor Brown, uh, Habs are killing a penalty. Connor Brown kind of skates in, goes around like he's going to go behind the net, but throws it out front and finds Colin White. And he bangs it in through Andrew Hammond, makes it 1 1. Uh, but. The Montreal Canadiens, they don't give up. This new look Montreal Canadiens, they, for some reason, you know, they give up a bad goal. Uh, they don't immediately cave in and just start allowing four, five, six, seven more goals. Uh, no, they fight back, and uh, they did in this game. Jake Evans throws the puck into the middle. Uh, Arturi Lekin in very high slot. You could almost argue it was a point shot, basically. Uh, just claps it. It's a bouncing puck. I don't even know how he got all of it, but he did. Uh, goes upstairs and makes it 2-1 to one for the Montreal Canadiens. And that was all she wrote. That was all she wrote. In the third period, um, you know, there was chances on both sides. Uh, they exchanged penalties from there on out. Uh, so that there were opportunities at both ends uh, to make a difference there. But realistically, when you look at the numbers, like high danger chances were 6 nothing in favor of Montreal in the third period. 6 to nothing. In favor of Montreal. 
they were the better team in that third period despite having that lead. And you saw it, especially when they got a power play late in the game with, I want to say, like two and a half minutes to go. And Martin Saint-Louis called them over and he brought everybody to the bench and was like going over what he wanted to do on the power play. He was like, he knows that, you know, lately the power play hasn't been looking that good. And he wanted to use this as an opportunity to practice a little bit. And it's like, no, we're taking this. We're not just killing off two minutes here and trying to get the win. It's like we're legitimately looking to try and improve certain facets of our game. I absolutely loved seeing that. Because we know this team's not going to the playoffs, right? We know that. So there's no sense in, ah, well, we got a a late power play here. So let's just, you know, skate around with the puck play keep away. No, let's use that as an opportunity. How can we improve what it is that we're doing moving forward? I keep talking about how this rebuild could technically be a lot quicker than, you know, your typical rebuild, right? Instead of waiting five years to get back in the playoffs, maybe it's two. This is one of the ways to do that because not all of the players that you have are going to get traded, right? Some of these guys are going to stick around and they're going to be part of that rebuild. So you need to be able to figure out how to make some of these other areas of the game that aren't working for you. You need to figure out how to make them work, right? Because they are on a five-game winning streak, but one thing that has not been great during that five-game winning streak has been the power play. So I loved seeing that, absolutely loved seeing them take that seriously near the end of the game, even though they could have just punted it uh, to get the two points. Um I guess speaking of players getting traded, that brings me to our player of the game. And I mean, how do you not give it to Arturi Lekkinen? How do you not? And he's one guy, I've written about this before. I'm going to write about it again uh, in the article that I'm going to be posting to promote this podcast on Habs Eyes and the Prize. I do not want the Montreal Canadiens to trade Arturi Lekkinen. I flat out don't want to see it. Now, I agree. Everybody has to be on the trade block. Everybody. Literally not one player is not on the trade block. Except for maybe Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. But even then, if somebody comes at you with like some crazy king's ransom for <coughs> one of your players, you have to consider it when you're in a rebuild. And of course, Arturi Lekkanen is no uh, exemption to that rule. So, I have my opinion of not wanting to trade him because, number one, I don't think they're going to get back what they're giving up right? He scored two goals tonight. That's not usually his best game. His best game are oftentimes he's not scoring any points at all. No assists, no goals. He's just shutting down the opposition because he's that good defensively, right? And because he doesn't have those gaudy offensive totals, because these two goal games are few and far between for him, he's not going to fetch the price that I think he deserves. So that's my number one reason for not wanting to trade him. My, My number two reason is how do you replace him? The Habs let Philippe Dano go in the offseason, and they had no legitimate plan on how to replace him. And you see what, what happened as a result of that, right? Arturi Lekkanen could be a very similar thing, because Arturi Lekkanen is a very controllable asset. Restricted free agent at the end of the year, right? He doesn't make that much money. He doesn't stand to get a massive increase either. He's not going to get Philippe Dano money on the open market. He's not getting 5.5. So maybe you got to give him three. That's a very reasonable amount of money to be paying somebody who can chip in, I don't know, 20, 25 points in a regular season, maybe 30. He's on pace, I think, for 30 this season. And, it, and it's a horrible season. So where are you going to get that from, right? Where, where are you going to replace that in your rebuild? Where are you going to get a super defensively responsible 
forward who costs like three million dollars a year tops. We we don't know for sure what he's going to cost next year, but I don't I don't see it going over three. Uh, that could also chip in like those thirty points, right? And realistically, with how snake bitten he usually is, like how how little puck luck he gets, he, his best years point wise might be ahead of him. So all this to say, you know, and it's not just based on those two goals that he scored. Obviously, two big goals in that game. But don't trade Arturi Lekkinen. Don't trade Arturi Lekkinen unless you're getting a king's ransom at the other end. And I don't see that happening. Uh, so he's the player of the game. Uh, Could have gone uh, Andrew Hammond there. He had a pretty good game. But uh, realistically, the Habs were the much better team. I mean, scoring chances heavily favored the Habs. Uh, shots favored the Habs. Possession favored the Habs. Everything favored the Habs in that game. Uh, especially from the second period onward. Uh, first period was a little bit tighter, but at, at the end of the day, this was a, a pretty complete game from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, can't ask for much better. And I would say that, you know, my other main takeaway, of course, being Martin Saint-Louis, he is he is taking these games very seriously. He is taking every opportunity to try and improve this team. He is taking every opportunity to try and figure out how do we get better as a team. And that's big. We weren't seeing that before, and I don't want to spend time dumping on the previous coach, but I think the the broader public is starting to notice a lot of the things that, that I was yelling about for a long time and that a lot of Habs fans were yelling about for a long time when it came to Dominique Sham is that we, we didn't see that development. We didn't see a, a focus on, on trying to get better. We saw a focus on just trying to do the same things and hoping for a better result. And, of course... That better result never came, and uh, now we are where we are. So, rebuild season, baby. Last thing I want to single out um, was I think that might have been one of Alexander Romanov's best games this season. He played fantastic. If you take a look at the statistics, uh, I'm not going to bore you with all of the numbers, but he was statistically one of the best players on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens, particularly as it pertains to possession um, and scoring chances. He was everywhere. If, if he is one of the players that they can get to take a step forward in his career and become a legitimate, you know, bona fide, reliable top four defender starting next season, that would be a huge comfort. You know, we can lose all the games we want. If that comes to be a reality at the end of this season, uh, I'll be incredibly happy. He was, again, he was everywhere. At one point, he like literally chucked Brady Kachuk down to the ice. It was a bit of a cross-check, bit of a cross-check. Not one of those cross-checks that you usually see get called, but anyways, threw him down to the ice, and then Brady Kachuk jumped up and pushed him, and Romanov kind of looked at him like, yeah, what are you going to do? And um, I, I don't know if Romanov wants to fight Brady Kachuk. I know Romanov, I, I've never actually seen him properly fight anybody. But uh, it, it's it's just ridiculous how strong that kid is. Absurd. And if he keeps going on this development trend that he's on right now, uh, you know, legitimately, there's absolute belief that he could be a top four, you know, NHL-wide top four defender next year. Not just on the Montreal Canadiens, but like a legitimate bona fide top four defender. And that could be some of the best news that we get all season. I'm going to cut it off there. Um, we are back in action, not until Tuesday night, actually. So we got a couple of days off. 
Uh, Tuesday night's going to be against the Winterpeg Jets, so we'll see you again after that game. We are running today a little over 12 minutes. So, grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.